Hey everybody, this is Nate Smoyer, and you're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. This is the show where we sit down with the leaders in real estate and technology to find out what they're doing to transform the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. If you've got an interest in real estate and technology, stick around. You're in the right place. Hey everyone, we've got a great show for you today. We've got the CEO and co-founder of a company out of New York City called Door Key. That's two R's, two E's, no Y. Door Key. And uh, had a lot of fun on this one. It's a bit of a longer episode. But, um, you know, if you if you like good podcasts that have a lot of info, get a better detail, but also just people having fun, then I think you'll enjoy this. Uh, anyway, John and I talk about what they're doing at Door Key. Uh, they've been up and operating for about a year. Company founded two years ago. And they're on a path of reinventing rent. And they still have a really big pain point, especially for landlords in the New York City area. So a lot of times you get 20, 30 days notice when your tenant wants to move on to the next place. And you know, in a city like New York, that means easily can lead to a, a month vacancy. You know, you don't have enough time to get things turned around and cleaned and find a new tenant, move in, all that jazz. Well, so what they've decided to do is, hey, what if we worked with landlords and created a, a marketing system that kept in touch with the tenant to incentivize the tenant to give much more advanced notice, like a 70 or 90 day notice. And then the tenant actually helps facilitate the showings. And so then the landlord gets way in advance notice of the tenant moving out. The tenant's already going to do it. You know, they're always going to have to do showings, but now it's on their terms. It's on their schedule. And they get, inse- they get paid. They get actually earn from helping show and close the unit, which then works for everybody. Everybody in, in this scenario wins. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, we talk about what their competitors may be and what they look like, what the options are, and the need for the adoption of new tech now. Uh, there's no longer waiting. There's no longer, hey, we need to make this transformation. It's now uh, consumer behaviors right now are going through a, a, just a massive transformation. Uh, and it looks like Dorkey is positioned uh, to really take advantage of that and uh, to be on the upside of it. So anyway, kick back, relax. I think you'll like this one. Well, hey, John, welcome to the show. Nate, thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, I'm excited for this. Uh, I would probably had the longest pre-show chat I think I've ever had. <laughs> My East Coast nature is like, all right, we're on the horn. Let's do this. Uh, but I, I'm just excited. I think it's going to be a, a good time. Um, as always, we'll get started correctly here. Please go ahead, introduce yourself, let everyone know who you are and what you do. Sure, Nate, I'm, I'm super excited too. Uh, half an hour pre-show, I think wasn't <laughs> enough time. I would have gone on for another hour and a half. Um, so my name is John Fagan. I am the CEO and co-founder of Dorky. I live in New York City, born and raised here. And uh, I'm excited to really tell people about what we're working on over at Dorky. All right, and I can't, uh, I can't escape the tagline. So we'll, we'll, we'll start there is the first question. Why reinvent? Well, maybe that's the way I want to go. Yeah, that's the way I want to go. First, why reinvent rent? Why reinvent rent? First off, it's alliterative. And who doesn't love alliteration? Love it. Love it. It's catchy. People remember it. And, but the real reason behind it, the substantive reason behind it, and, and this, was, this came, this was the brainchild of our head of marketing, Liv Auerbach, who's, who's really fantastic. She's got a great creative mind. And the reason why reInvent Rent is because where we are now, what Dorky is doing now is connecting departing tenants, people who know that they're not renewing their lease, 
and who are moving out of their apartment at the end of it with apartment seekers, people who know that they're moving into a new apartment and uh, want to start looking for their apartment months in advance. And so Dorky is not just, we're facilitating that, that communication, that interaction, and we're helping landlords pre-lease units and, and save money on broker fees and on advertising and on lost vacancy. But, but really what we're doing at its core is we're aligning the interests of the three parties. We're aligning the interests of the departing tenant, the landlord, and the apartment seeker. And what that does is it fundamentally reimagines the real estate transaction. And so we think of ourselves as, as doing more than just pre-leasing units where we're altering the, the previous process, which kind of pitted landlords against tenants. And we thought that was totally unnecessary. Mm -hmm. And so Dorky is reinventing rent because we're, we're making it a lot better. We're making it a lot faster. We're making it a lot less expensive. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we're, we're changing fundamentally how the parties interact. And so that's why we're, that's how we're reinventing rent. Awesome. I love it. So, so how long have you been running door? And by the way, I'm going to spell it for those who are listening. Uh, it's door D O O R K E E two E's at the end there. Right. Uh, right. so you guys have been up and running for only really two years now since, since you got started. Yeah. So we started two years ago, but we've really only been in business about a year, which is when we got our, our seed funding about a year ago. And so we started, about two years ago. Do you, you want to hear the origin story, like where this came from? Was that Yeah, I think that, I mean, I, I imagine when you were a little kid, you didn't say, you know what I want to do? I, I, want, to, I want to help people move in and out of apartments. You told me earlier right. you were a lawyer. So I, I assume that, I, was, I that, was kid, that was the childhood dream. So how did it end up in apartments? Yes. So I, I told you the, the story about, about everyone at a young age telling me I, sh I should be a lawyer. And it was mostly, I guess, a, a way of a whole bunch of people who had watched way too much Law and & Order and, and didn't know what, what being a lawyer was. They just meant if you were like really cantankerous and, and wouldn't shut the hell up, that meant that you'd be a good lawyer. And, uh, and so I went to law school straight from undergrad. And despite all of the pleas from every lawyer I had met to say, like, do not go to law school, I, the hubris of a 22-year-old would not be squashed. I knew everything. And so I went to law school and that's actually where I met my co-founder. I met my co-founder on day one of law school. We happened to sit next to each other in property class and we just really, that's a very, very funny story, but it requires wild <laughs> gesticulation. It's better told in person. So if anyone meets me after this podcast, ask for the story of how Jordan ask, and I how, how did you guys, how did you meet your co-founder? How, how did I meet my co-founder? Yeah. So you asked so, him yeah, for his tots. That's what it was. That's told him, give me your tots. I, I didn't even, you didn't even know. Uh, yeah. So, so I'll tell that story later, but let me tell you the, the origin story. So like, I didn't, yeah, I didn't think I would, I would get into real estate. I, I knew I'd go to law school and I'd, I'd practice law and I, I'd, I'd make all these changes. And, and then when you get to law school, you realize it's like not really how things work. Um, anyway, my, my partner and I, we decided pretty early on in law school that we didn't want to be lawyers. And so we were like, okay, how do we, turn this mistake how do we we kind of make lemonade out of these lemons here and mm -hmm. so we both went to practice law for a couple of years i went in-house at a financial company he went to go work at at a really big one of the biggest firms in the u.s and we, we both weren't happy it wasn't the right fit for us and so we were looking for a bunch of opportunities to buy a business or start a business over the course of years and we looked at a lot of things uh, jordan my co-founder almost became like a high-end dry cleaner down in florida we almost started like a like a, a chain of, of dry cleaners yeah, good thing we didn't do that. We almost bought a, a Tyvek wallet company. I, by the way, I, I like dry cleaning businesses. I do like the idea. I don't like 
the fact that once you establish a dry cleaner in a real estate location, it ain't really suitable for anything else because all those chemicals that that just ruins the whole property. Yeah, that's that's for sure true. We didn't get that far into into, into depth there. Uh, so we yeah we looked at a bunch of businesses and then Jordan came up with this wacky idea. Actually, it wasn't a wacky idea. It was a great idea. We were just the wrong people for it. It wasn't fixing a problem that we had. And I just told him, I was like, hey man, like I, I think we need to pause on this whole business thing. We're just coming up with the ideas to come up with ideas. It's they're not they're not ideas that we love or that right. we could really get behind, which is why it's not going anywhere. And so we decided that we take a pause on it, right? And then a couple months later, it was August of a couple of years ago, it was like two and a half years ago. And I was living in a great apartment in Williamsburg. It was like a two bedroom. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, an apartment that had been in my family for like 85 years. Like my grandmother was born in that apartment 88 years ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I was living there by myself. It was huge and spacious. It was super cheap. My great uncle owned it. He passed away. Long, short of, and, uh, long and short of it is that in August, I got noticed from my second cousin that they were selling the house and that I needed to move out in December. And so I, I had this awesome apartment for super cheap. I'm like, I'm not leaving until I absolutely need to leave on yeah. like something like December 15th, right? So I'm like, okay, it's August. Let me find my apartment in December, but I, I wanna find it now. And then you go and look and you're like, you, you can't find your apartment that far in advance. There's just no mechanism to do it. And I thought that's super weird because if I know I'm moving, I know I need to move into a place in December. Surely someone else is in my position where they're also moving at that exact same date. I'm like, why don't we just swap apartments, right? Like I move into their apartment, they either move into my apartment or another apartment like that, right? And then I was like, hmm, that's, I think it's a pretty good idea. And so I, Jordan and I had taken a pause on the whole business thing, but I brought it to him and uh, I, I guess I didn't do a very good job explaining it. It was a very like, and it's like nascent stages, nascent stages, I'm not sure how to pronounce that word. I always get it mixed up. Anyway, so I pitched it to him and he told me that it was like the worst idea that I had ever said and that the worst idea he had ever heard. And so I was like, oh man, okay, shoot. I guess I, I guess my radar was off here. And so- My um, daily job. Later, <laughs> Nate, that'll never work. You get it because you're a marketer, but I'm, I'm used it, yeah. to like coming up with like less creative ideas. And so I, I brought it to him again and he was like, like, no, really, that's the worst fucking idea I've ever heard. And so um, I thought some more about it and then I, I came to him again and I was like, all right, Jordan, like I, I thought a little bit more about it and I, I pitched it a bit better. I reframed it and he was like, okay, I, I actually see what you're saying now. I think this is, I think this could work. This is interesting. And so it evolved from like swapping apartments to creating a platform where people could transact on an apartment months in advance because you have early notice from the person moving out, right? Because if you're a departing tenant, you usually don't tell your landlord until a month or less before your lease end date that you're leaving. Yep. And then apartment seekers, you can only find your apartment like two to three weeks in advance. And then you're scrambling, you're mm-hmm. taking time off work to see apartments, you may be paying an expensive broker fee, right? And then you end up settling for an apartment that's just good enough. Instead of finding the apartment you love over the course of, of, of several months when you, when you really start looking. And so right. that's really where this came from. It's just a, a personal problem that I had had. Um, and, and then, you know, it, it, it evolved from there because I ended up finding an apartment that I really liked, but somehow I had a, a broker got involved with me and the landlord had a broker and they both wanted like $4,000, like right. $4,000 for like an apartment I found on an internet listing service and showed up to and, and they keyed me in. But they opened like, the door. 
That's right. That's right. They opened the door and, and they wanted four grand each. And I'm like, that's insane. Like we can't, have, my, my, my buddy and I were going to uh, move into an apartment. We're like, we can't afford eight grand for, for you to have done this and for you to have taken my paperwork. And, and then I had to email them my passport and my social security number and my W2. Like I didn't know these brokers. They could have stolen my identity. And I'm like, this is really clunky. It's manual. And it was email. One of the most insecure, false secure products you could possibly use for passing documents back and forth. Nothing's ever happened with sending it an email. No one's ever been, nothing, let's not get into that topic. So (laughs) anyway, it was just really insecure. It was clunky. It was, it was accelerated process. It was too expensive. It was super manual. There was so much risk. Uh, And then Jordan and I just said, you know what? Like there's a huge opportunity here. All of our friends, all the people we know have had a problem with renting like this in the past. We could fix these, these pain points. Uh, and that's when we decided, when we started looking, and we got my cousin James involved. So James is our chief of staff. He was with us since the early days before we had any funding. And we were at our, we had our first annual dorky retreat when it was just the three of us. And we were out in, uh, in Long Island brainstorming in the midst of a storm, like a huge snowstorm. And we started looking at the opportunity here. And we were like, oh my God, this total addressable market is insane. And, and also, this is just a no-brainer. Like, there, this is a total alignment of interest. Everybody mm-hmm. wins here. The, the pie is actually expanded. We're not just finding a way to reapportion the pie. We've actually expanded the pie by reducing the vacancy. So if the landlords are paying less on fees and on vacancy, that means that uh, more money goes to them, but also it's cheaper for uh, the apartment seeker to get that apartment. Oh, and the departing tenant can make a little bit of money they can make their rent refund, right? They, they can get some money back just by being involved in the process by giving early notice to their landlords and making their apartment available on, on their own schedule. I love it. I love it. And the, the, the evolution there of obviously like we had an idea, I mean, there's a problem and then just the refinement of that idea and yeah. pursuit of it. I mean, cause we, we talked about, you know, previously uh, to jump in on the recording is just like, there's, there's sometimes uh, you can kind of feel a little bit of a loan in pursuing an idea or concept or something mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the initial feedback is people look at you like, what? No, that's yeah. not done. And right. probably um, there's a book. Uh, I'll find the name. I can't remember the book's name, but it's basically a compilation of mini memoirs, mm-hmm. like all founders, like real deal founders and mm-hmm. successful leaders. I think Buffett's in it and they've got – the guy who started Samuel Adams or took the Samuel Adams business, you know, and grew mm-hmm. that. But the mm-hmm. woman who started Spanx, she talks about that. And what she mm-hmm. passes on is like her main takeaway is like, hold your idea and cradle it and don't mm-hmm. tell anybody around mm-hmm. you. Interesting. And, you know, maybe, maybe people who don't know you, but outside of that, don't tell anybody because mm. she said, she was like, you know, your family and friends, you want to believe are the most supportive, but they'll be the ones that are like also most comfortable and like, giving you a reality check like you're crazy (laughs) and i think that that's the best part because that's where that's where we're we're finding ourselves is the need to well you're doing it you're reinventing rent uh Mm -hmm. you know from from the point of turning over you know i I refer to as turning over units but you know having that tenant in to tenant out so let's walk through exactly like uh let's do a scenario here i know you kind of went through some examples but uh uh i've got a uh, say i'm the property manager I've got a tenant, they've got 60 days on, you know, maybe 90 days on their lease. Mm -hmm. Okay. Where do you come in? What's the pitch? And then how do we actually implement? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great question. So 
right now what we're focused on is is acquisition through landlords because they have all the supply so dorky is a digital brokerage I'm, I'm a broker and so we have licensed salespeople on the team we have other brokers on the team so we're the broker for the landlords we go to the landlord and we're like here's what we can do for you we can increase the amount of notice that you get from your tenants so you get probably let's call it 20 to 30 days right everybody loves that if you can increase that notice we are average right now almost 70 days Wow. Almost 70 days notice from departing tenants, right? So we're able to increase their notice. And then what we're able to do is if your apartment traditionally, let's say it needs to be on the market for a month and a half, right? To two months. Mm -hmm. That's on average in New York City, what we're seeing, right? If you start that process two weeks before the lease end date, you're going to absorb a month of unnecessary vacancy. You're not going to get someone in there on average yep. until a month after you have. And so you're absorbing, that's, that's one twelfth. That's like a little over eight eight and a third percentage of, of your annual income for that apartment is wasted just on vacancy, right? And then you, right. you have to pay advertising costs, you may have to pay a broker fee, et cetera. Two to and five so, grand right there. Yeah, yeah, easily, right? So what we're saying is if we can get the departing tenant on your side to give you that early notice that they're moving out, right? Because most people move because of life circumstances. They move because they're, they're, they don't want to live with their roommates anymore. They want to live yeah. alone. They want to live with a significant other. They want to live in a nicer place. They need, they're having a kid. They're buying a house, right? That's why people are moving. And so they know months in advance what those life circumstances are. And so, but there's no incentive for them to tell you, right? They're right. disincentivized to tell you. Yeah. So then what we do is we work with the landlords to do, we have a email drip campaign that is has deep links. Uh, we call, I call them magic links because I'm not an engineer and I have no idea how they work. And, and as far as I'm concerned, our engineers are just magicians because yeah. I, I say, and I'm like, Hey, it would be cool if we did this. And then they just make it happen. It's really amazing. <laughs> and so at, literally I did that the other day. I accidentally said we had a feature we didn't have. And then the engineers had a little, they got, they rightfully were like, Hey man, what the hell? <laughs> and they spun it, they spun it up in like two days. So amazing job to our engineering team. Um, anyway. So, so about, about a hundred days out, we email you. We're like, Nate, we love you as a tenant. We want to keep you. Here's your renewal form if you want to stay. If you want to leave, um, you know, tell us, and then we we can we can work from there, right? Now, uh, about the third email in the drip campaign that you get, we're like, Nate, we haven't heard from you, right? Because why would you tell us 90 days out? But here's here's another wrinkle. If you tell us early, if you tell us now that you're leaving, yep. and and you you don't want to rent from us anymore, you you know, there's an opportunity for the landlord, or the leasing staff, to then negotiate yep. with the tenant. You know, maybe I have another building in the neighborhood you like, or I have another apartment in the building that's bigger, right? Um, if you're definitely moving, let's say you're buying a house, you're going out of state, no hard feelings. How about you just work with us, right? Post your apartment on Dorky, we'll approve it. The, the landlord sets the lease terms. They, they set the move-in date. They set the, the minimum renter score. They, they set the uh, amount of rent. They, they set uh, how long the lease is, right? Whatever terms the landlord would set, right? All the departing tenant has to do is uh, make themselves available to give access to the unit for tours, either virtually or in person, mm -hmm. to prospective tenants on their own time frame, right? Boom. And then if, if there's a closing, if Dorky can facilitate the closing for the landlord, then the departing tenant gets a rent refund of about a third of a month's rent. In New York City, it's about $1,000. And so right. all of a sudden, the departing tenant's like, this is a no-brainer. I don't have to do any work. I just need to be available to let someone in the door. Which you're going right? to have to do anyway. Right. Which you would have to do cl yeah, closer yeah. anyway. And, and, and you were not going to get you're not going to get money for that. And it's not going to be on your own time frame, Right. Um, and so, and so for, and for now you're home anyway, right. You could do a virtual tour. 
You could upload a a video tour of your apartment. You could FaceTime. On average, it takes departing tenants three minutes to give a tour of their apartment in a a pre-COVID world where we're doing in-person tours. Three minutes to do an in-person tour of a non-amenity building. And an amenity building, we're talking nine to 12 minutes. And on average, it takes about, call it four or five tours, we're saying. Yeah. And, and then there's a closing and you're talking about a thousand bucks for that amount of work. I mean, it's a, it's a total no brainer for departing tenants. Okay. So there's a handful of questions here to follow up. So the, the when we're doing the listing yeah. here, it's all that communication between yeah. what the landlord requires and the existing tenant who's or the departing tenant. Um, is that all facilitated like in a back end? Uh, yeah. yeah, it's all facilitated. It's all facilitated on our platform. So we're, we're totally okay. searched through closed. So what would happen is you get that email. If you're, if you're, let's say you're a departing tenant in one of the buildings that we've already partnered with our landlord, yep. you would get a really beautiful drip campaign co-branded. And as, like I said, those deep links where if you click on the button that says renew, it'll send you to your renewal form yep. either through like hello sign or DocuSign or, um, you know, an email to the leasing staff and you can renew there. If you click you know, I'm leaving and you'll get me my rent refund. It will take you directly to Dorky's platform. Uh, because we already have the information from the landlord, we've already partnered with them. All you need to do is, is sign in. You can either create a password. We've already pre-populated your information as a departing tenant. You can sign in with Gmail or Facebook with one click. And then literally all you have to do is you can upload any photos or a video walkthrough of the apartment that you've done. And then just give a couple of notes on what you love about the apartment in the neighborhood and you click yeah. submit and then that's it. Yep. The departing tenant's yep. done, right? Yep. Then the leasing staff or the landlord gets a notification. They get an email saying, hey, you know, Nate in apartment 21F uh, doesn't want to renew. And, it, you know, he's moving out of his apartment. The leasing staff landlord can, can talk to you, say, hey, we want to keep you. No, 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 I'm buying a home. Okay, great. They set the new lease terms on our platform, right? All the information has already been pre-populated. The photos have been pre-populated. The, the floor plans, the, uh, the neighborhood, the... The, the building it's in, it's already been pre-populated because we, we sync up with your back end. Yeah. So there's no rework for the leasing staff. All they have to do is set the new, the new move-in date and set the new rent amount and click submit. And then it goes live on our platform. And then we start funneling apartment seekers. We start procuring people who want that apartment two, three months from now. And we start sending them to our platform. And then they're able to directly communicate with the departing tenant and we have a scheduling tool where the departing tenant can say, I'm home Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. And you can oh, just perfect. click on 730. It's super easy. So there's no back and forth of like, I can do Friday 2 to 5. I can do Saturday 1 to 2. They're just like, right. hey, click the time, you know, and find a time that works for you. And so exactly. the prospective renter is like, oh, this is easy. I can just schedule time. The departing tenant is like, well, these are the only times I can do. So there's just no back and forth. It makes it really easy to schedule the showing. Super, super easy. And yeah. then you, there's still messaging open, right? So if you need to reschedule or if you need to say, hey, I'm downstairs, right? Uh, we're also, uh, we also have like push to email um, and, and push to text that we're working on as well. So you could like Airbnb, when you just respond to the text, you just yep. say, you know, and it, and it goes through our back end. So it's just totally frictionless. And then let's say the apartment seeker, you know, in pre-COVID worlds, they did an in-person tour. In, in during COVID days, we have the, the video walkthrough. We're doing FaceTime tours or Google Hangout tours. Um, and then if you like the apartment, you just go and you click apply directly on our platform, right? When I was telling you before about how email is really, unse- you were saying how unse- insecure it is. Um, not insecure, uns- unsecure, not It's unsecure. Secure. It's insecure yeah. of itself. Right. It's insecure of how unsecure it is. It's not very confident. <laughs> right. Unsecure. And I think so, the right word. I, I think it was unsecure too. Um, 
So it, you click apply and if a landlord, you're a big landlord and you have your own application process, you have a background check that you like, you have a lease signing tool that you like, you have a fund transfer tool that you like, it syncs up to your backend. Literally, we send you directly to that application tool. It's totally seamless. It's totally online, totally frictionless. If you're a mom and pop landlord and you don't have a process already, you're having people wet sign the lease, you're having them send you a check right? You, you, have, you don't have a background check. Well, good news. We've integrated with a bunch of tools that do that for you. Mm. And we're going to provide that for you. So again, it's a totally frictionless experience wow. for both the apartment seeker and the landlord uh, and the departing tenant. It's all done um, on our back end, And so uh, we're able to facilitate that search through close for, for any of our landlords who uh, have the tools that they like. And if they don't have the tools, we do it for them. Wow. I love it. Um, there's so much in there that it sounds like it's just way better. Um, I mean, I've never had to get an apartment in New York City. My closest experience would be, I guess, Chicago, but I don't mm -hmm. think that probably compares. I don't know. My assumption is it doesn't compare, but it was a pain. It was yeah. terrible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, the tenant was already moving out, but we rented a condo instead of an apartment. What I picked up on really quickly was that condos, you get a better deal on square footage. Right. For sure. Uh, yeah. But uh, man, the realtor who was representing, you know, the building or, or the, the owner, she just, she didn't have anything digital. And then we found a realtor because we need someone who is in Chicago while we were in Washington, potentially shopping, mm -hmm. which is not easy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she didn't have anything digital. It's like, well, how do you guys do business? What is this? <laughs> I talked to my like homeowners insurance company last night again. I'm like, you guys learn digital signature or are you still pushing paper? And she goes, oh, we're getting there. I'm like, where are you getting? You're going yeah, nowhere. That's why I'm on the phone to cancel my policy with you. Right. That's like, entirely right. I was like, I'm not doing business with you. Um, it's, was, it's, it's pretty frightening. It's, I mean, to talk about like, oh, we need to become a digital marketing company or we need to, be, we need to, be a, we need to become a digital first company is such a backwards mindset. Yeah, it was 10 years it, it, ago. Yeah. Yeah. You're so, if you're, if you're still thinking like that, you, you need a reality check because there's no such thing. We're digitally native now. You, everything right. that needs to be, if, if there isn't a digital, a digital version of your analog system, get there right now. Stop everything. Mm. Pause everything. Right. Like um, when fi, fi, there's a kind of like a similar situation when Facebook, like very early days, I think after they went public, Zuckerberg basically realized that all traffic was going mobile and he completely paused Facebook's like all of their development on their web app and was like, we just need to do everything. Everything needs to be mobile first. And, and people at the time thought that was crazy. Well, and cause they, they went, they, they were bought in on HTML five as the mobile. And that was the, mo I remember those days. Cause it was like, man, Facebook is terrible. It takes forever to load on my yeah. phone. Yep. It was so maddening how long yeah. it would take. Right, right, right. Think about, but yeah, but you're totally right. I mean, they, they they saw that early and did it was basically like this is this is the moment, seize the day. Uh, That's right. Uh, okay, so I want to keep moving here. So one of the things I want to know, you, you, yeah. you partner with the building owner, right? Mm -hmm. What about for those who are just a two flat? They just have two units or three units. Mm -hmm. you know, it's mm -hmm. just a small little, uh, probably. Uh, it's supposed to be single family, but now it's in Brooklyn. So it's a four unit. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, I've stayed so with some accurate. friends. Yeah. I've stayed so with accurate. some friends where you yeah. walk upstairs in the hallway or like, where's your apartment? Oh, it's this room over here. Like the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Four of us live there. 
what? Anyway, um, so uh, can you work with those landlords or do you have like this um, kind of like model where you've got to be 10 unit up or something like no, that? No, so it's, it's a good, really great question also. So first of all, I have to make fun of you for, for using flat because, because we're here, we're stateside and we're, we're not across the pond. And, and That's also, what they say in I, Chicago. I've gotten used to it. I, oh, I say no. triplex, duplex, fourplex because those are the right terms. Yeah, but Right, you know. flat. I just, by the way, so uh, I, I told you this before. <laughs> But my, my girlfriend, Lacey, is a huge fan of your podcast. She's been talking about your podcast for, for literally months. And so this has finally happened. She went to business school in London for two years. And she's been back for longer than that. And she still uses like, like English, Queen's English, right? like she's stuck queuing. And she says Z. And she says flat. And I'm like, what is that? Oh, first of all, Z. Z, instead of Z, right? And there, there are a million more. But anyway, she's, she's, from, she's from Cuba. She grew up in Jersey. She's lived in New York for the past decade. She spent two years in London. And all of a sudden now all, she has all these British affectations. And so anyway, I, I just, I had to, I had to like. You did. See, I was, all, I was a fan of hers as soon as you said she was a fan of the show. Fan of yours. But, but she just <laughs> said she's <laughs> from Jersey. I mean. No, she's not. She's from Cuba. She grew up in Jersey. Oh, okay. Um, that's that's yeah, totally so different. Not quite. And she, she escaped Jersey as soon as possible. Yeah. Anyway, so let me talk about those two, the two apartment owners or the four apartment owners. So. Yeah, we, we're actually, so we just came out of our beta. And so you're going to see a lot of, hopefully a lot of PR um, coming out about Dorky in the coming weeks. And so now anybody outside of our partner landlords, we had, during our beta, we we're only going with big landlords with hundreds of units, thousands of units to go yeah. on the platform. Now that we have, we've rolled out those mom and pop tools that I talked about, right? So the lease signing tools, the, the, we have Stripe and Plaid integration. We have HelloSci um, integration. We have background check integration. Uh, we we sync up with people's um, backends, right? So if if you if you didn't have those tools before, we we have them now for you. And so now mom and pops can now come to the platform and reach out to our sales folks, and then they can uh, we can onboard them. We're actually working on right now our next one of our our next few releases is going to be a self onboarding tool. And so what we're actually hoping to do is we're hoping we're we're, we're going to be rolling out in the next month a tenant to tenant referral program where basically Nate, so if you're, if you're on the platform and you're like one of our partner landlords and you love us, you made your thousand bucks or, or however much. And you're like, this is great. Like other people should know about this. It's, it's, it's free money. You would send a, a text or an email or whatever to your friends and be like, Hey, if you move and you're trying to find your apartment or you're trying to get out of your apartment, sign up with this link and you guys are both going to make money. And so we're, we're going to be opening that up. Uh, very shortly. And so oh. now if you're, if you're a departing tenant, you want to post on our platform, come to dorky.com, enter your information. You can reach out to us directly on intercom. And then what we'll do is we'll work with your landlord to say, Hey landlord, you have a tenant that wants to move out. Yep. Get yourself early notice, save your money, your, save yourself money on broker fees, save yourself money on vacancy, right? And there's no sign up cost. It's all totally free. We take mm -hmm. care of the advertising. We post on a bunch of sites. We do the recruiting of the tenants, and then we provide you the prospects. And if they right. work for you, great. And then at that point, you're saving so much money because most of the time you're paying a broker fee of call it eight to 12% of the cost right. of the annual lease right. plus vacancy. You're talking about another month on average of vacancy. You're talking right. about 15 to 20% of the cost of the annual lease is spent on filling, putting a head in a bed, right? Yep. Yep. With the door yep. key, inclusive of the rent refund going to the departing tenant, landlords pay a just under 5%, right around 5% of the cost wow, of the annual wow. lease, including the fee to do door key, including the rent refund of the departing tenant. 
And so anybody can sign up as long as you're in New York City. We're, we're not and, outside New York City yet. And you only make money on the closing, right? We only make money on the closing because we, we believe that, first of all, that's how landlords are used to doing business, right? They, they yep. pay yep. brokers upon a closing. They're used to paying OP. So, so we're not asking them to, to, do, to do too many different things. Right. Uh, right. We're just asking, we're just asking them to allow their departing tenant to give them early notice and, and make the apartment available. Right. That's, that's the one miracle we're asking for. And so, um, there's a great book actually called chaos monkeys. Have you read it? No. Section where we talk about books. But... Oh, okay. I'm going to save it. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good <laughs> book. Kidding, anyway, it's our, it's our, it's our one miracle. Uh, he, he, he basically says like, here's how, you know, you're a, you're a startup versus small business, right? If you need one miracle to happen, I'm paraphrasing here, by the way, if you need one miracle to happen, you're a startup, right? If you don't need mm. any miracles to happen, you're just a small business. You're just trying to replicate what's already been done. And, and I'm paraphrasing here also, if you need more than one miracle to happen, you're just fucked. It's not going to happen, right? You're not going to be able to change everyone's behavior all at once. So, so the one piece of behavior we're asking for landlords to change is basically just let their departing tenant help you um, with this process, right? Let them give you early notice, let them be the one opening the door instead of having the broker do it and have Dorky do the actual backend brokerage work of finding the next tenant, of doing the paperwork, of doing the fund transfer, have it done automatic instead of having someone whose full-time job is to do this because it's much more economical yep. when the Dorky is facilitating the transaction for you. Oh, it's so good. I love it. So and it makes a lot of sense, obviously, to start then with uh, the bigger businesses because you're already established broker. You have some brokers working for you, you know. Right. So then they're going for the bigger ones. But now you're working the self serve, so that the, you know, what is commonly referred to as mom and pop, what we call the yeah. DIY landlord, uh, yeah. you know, they they can just sign up, take care of it, or the mm -hmm. tenant now can be the one who initiates that relationship. So you're doing a little bit of pull through marketing, and the tenant's like, hey, I want the thousand bucks, like the right. landlord. Uh, is this cool? Like I'm giving you three months mm -hmm. notice. Would, could we right. do this? And the right. landlord is like, I've never had a tenant give me three months notice. That's <laughs> That's right. I mean, That's right. I guess it's kind of cool. So uh, it makes a ton of sense. And you're only in New York city right now. Yeah. You're going to just take over New York city or uh, get to a certain point and then take the other cities. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'd love to take over New York city. Obviously New York city is a huge market. It's, it's perfect for us. There's a handful uh, of units available there. There are a couple. Yeah. There are, there's uh there's something like 2.1 million rental units that like, that fit yeah it's huge and and so also super expensive like the average rent in New York City is like 35 north of 3500 dollars a month which is pretty crazy uh, turnover numbers we're looking at like a tick under 40 percent so you're talking about um, a millennial population who by the way has saved no money right because of and I and I don't blame them right I'm a millennial myself. But I have a lot of student debt from going to law school. A lot of people have student debt. Um, you know, they haven't been able to save money. They're, they're renting. They're stuck in this sort of cycle of renting because they can never save enough money to, to buy a home. And so this kind of fixes everyone's problems. Apartment seekers can look for their apartment months in advance. Departing tenants, a thousand bucks. I mean, you, you ran an awesome survey the other day that I just quoted when I was on the Real Deal webinar. Something like 40% of people, I think you, you found out, 40% of renters were like unsure whether or not they could afford April rent. Is that right? 34% uh, said if they could not afford rent for the month of April, they would simply not pay versus take out a loan, borrow from friends or family, um, go into debt with a credit card, 
work yep. a deal. They would just not pay. Right. 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 Okay. Sorry. I butchered that. that That's stat, okay. But it was a really, good, it was a really good stat. Sorry. Uh, anyway, that thousand bucks, right? Imagine having an extra thousand bucks in your pocket that can, first of all, that covers your moving costs basically. Um, or it, it covers probably your, your portion of the rent. And so, so to answer your question at New York city first, um, we're looking to do, I don't want to, I don't want to jump ahead. I know you do your four questions. So <laughs> I, I, I brushed up on this. I've studied up. Uh, I had already listened a bunch of times, but anyway, so I, uh, in a year, in a year from now, you know, we we're looking to go outside of New York city, actually to, to where you are right now, Chicago, we're, we're probably going to look at, at Boston, probably San Francisco and LA. And mm-hmm. funny enough, those four marketplaces are roughly the same size in terms of TAM uh, as New York is alone. And so just, I mean, that, that tells you the, the, just the density in New York. And also it tells you how expensive, how really expensive it is to live in New York city, to rent in New York city. Uh, yeah, it's expensive. Every once in a while, I actually shop just to see what's available. I have this, uh, yes. I have it in the back of my head. I've t- talked to my wife about this a few times. I'm like, Hey, how do you feel about New York city? She's like, no. Like okay, but I like I think this something maybe like I don't know like ten years out it could happen. I have no idea why. I don't have any intentions on moving there anytime soon. But um, <laughs> or maybe you do. Maybe this is your subconscious, Nate. We, your well, subconscious. I can tell you this right I'm now. New York, Nate. <laughs> we, I think we I want think you I, here. It's all happening here, Nate. I think I shared a few episodes back on like how I ended up at Avail. Um, you know, the short story is I had an agency called Real Team Panda specializing in early stage prop tech company media growth. And yeah. um, I swore up and down, I would never move to Chicago, specifically Chicago and Detroit, mostly Detroit, but Chicago also on that level. Like, no, never. I yeah. won't do that winter for nothing. And then I came <laughs> out here to visit and, you know, talking with Lawrence and Ryan and you know, they were floating the idea past me. Like, what do you think? Like you'd never want to move out. I was like, no, never. Yeah. That didn't. I then flew back home. There you are. And I'm like, uh, hon, how do you feel about moving to Chicago? (laughs) All right. And and history repeats because you just had that conversation again with your wife. Yeah. I just plant these little ridiculous seeds. You know, the next one's Montana, but we won't go to Montana. Why? You can, uh, I think Kanye has a lot of space over there. He just bought a go. huge ranch. So if you, you and go. actually he's got his new gospel album out. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a lot of things out. I don't know, but I don't follow it. <laughs> I don't know anything about, so I don't was, know. I don't know anything about Kanye. I can turn so. this into a Kanye podcast if you'd like, but, yep. but you probably wouldn't and neither would your listeners. So no. I'm going to save everyone. We'll save that. For I'll the keep next my one. musings for the, yeah, for the next one. Yeah. So for what you guys are doing though, one of the patterns I see a lot is, um, basically repackaging similar models, right? So like right now, like Redfin came out and everyone's like, what? How dare you? And then there's a, you know, there's kind of a million different variations, but a lot of Redfin's out there. Do you have any direct competitors doing exactly what you guys are doing? So yes, we, we, we kind of do. And the reason why I say kind of is because there, there are a couple of competitors who are, who are roughly in this space where they're trying to make it peer to peer. They're they're trying to, um, you know, make apartment renting, uh, smoother by allowing apartment seekers and departing tenants to connect. Yeah. However, there's um, there's a great book called Crossing the Chasm. Have you read it? Oh, absolutely. It's oh, well, I have Inside the Tornado, which is all about crossing the chasm. Okay, okay. Yeah. So first, maybe I need to read that one also. But Crossing the Chasm was fantastic, and so 
you know, it's, it's really about for, for those who, who haven't read Crossing the Chasm, they, they break basically sup like supply, they break markets down into four categories. You have, um, you know, if you're looking at a normal distribution, you have like the early adopters and then the, the next portion is the early majority, basically like, I guess, like probably like three standard or two standard deviations um, to the left of the median and then two standard deviations. So the right of the median are, are the late majority and then the, the long tail at the end are the late adopters and don't worry about them. And crossing cross the chasm is about how it's really easy for most startups to get the visionaries uh, and the early adopters in that, that first tail to say, yeah, I'll, I'm gonna give it a shot. This sounds like a really cool idea. I don't need to know the details. I just need to like see the vision and, and I'm willing to try it out. I'm willing to work through the bugs, right? But the, the staying power is all in the early majority. It's, all, it's getting the CTOs and, and the heads of leasings and whoever's going to be the champion internally to adopt your product, to, to actually say, yes, I'm willing to stick my neck out to say that this product is, is going to help our, our team save money or be more efficient or be more productive. Right. Now, there are certain things that you need to prove to those decision makers in that early majority that the early adopters don't need, right? And so what you need to do is that's the chasm, by the way, the chasm is between the early adopters and the early majority because all of the money and all of the longevity is in the early majority. Most startups are not able to cross that chasm. And yeah. so what crossing the chasm says is that you need to provide amongst other things is what's called the total product. And you need to be able to provide out of the box. It needs to work, right? So if you remember you used to get a gift on, on Christmas and then it's like batteries not included. Or like you got yeah, it's a the game it's the worst. It's Who the worst the satisfaction of throwing out the out, out the box. That's ridiculous. It's no, it's insane. And so what we do and what what our competitors don't do is we provide that total product. And so if you have a back, like I said, if you have a background, we we provide everything search through clothes, right? So we have the scheduling system, we have the messaging system, we have the background check, we have the lease lease sign, we have the fund transfer, et cetera. We, we sync up with your, your uh, back end if, if you have a property management system that you like. And yeah. so there, there is just a seamlessness to the process that our, our competitors can't really match. They're really just a search platform. Um, and so that's why we believe we've, we've had a lot more success. Um, you know, we've only been up and running really for the past six, seven months when it comes to our beta. And we've already had uh, more adopters than, than our competitors combined who have been in business for, for quite a lot longer wow. than, than we have. Good on you. Uh, yeah, here's the uh, Inside the Tornado. Oh, Jeffrey Moore. Yes. Yeah. Same yeah. author, right? This doesn't look any more boring than what is possible to look for a book. It um, looks like a textbook. It looks like a textbook. It reads like a textbook. Um, I remember I read this uh, several years ago when I was helping launch an ebook uh, e-commerce store. And um, I don't know why someone gave me this book and okay. I actually read it. That was the part that surprised me is I actually read it. But it's one of those things that stuck with me because I think it's very important. You know, we talk to a lot of early stage prop tech companies um, and, you know, the, the ideas is what the show is about is like extracting those ideas and, you know, you know, really challenging the status quo and how we buy, sell and, and invest in real estate. And mm -hmm. that's fine to challenge the ideas, but right now we're at, we're at a point in time where uh, it's really important that you're no longer just challenging. You have oh, yeah. not just validating, but have a validated idea because for, you know, for us to get through what we're going through right mm -hmm. now, 
you're going to have to have some good, like things have to work and you may have mm-hmm. to do some crossing or you need to expand the share that you have of business with mm-hmm. your early adopters. I think Seth Godin refers to them as neophytes, people who just are looking for the new, looking mm-hmm. for the latest. And it's a very risky audience actually, because while mm-hmm. some of them may be dedicated to you and your brand and what you're doing, there's many of them who are also just interested in the new. And if you don't continue to iterate, you, you, you risk losing uh, or giving them that feeling, mm-hmm. that experience. So I think that's mm-hmm. probably really important. One thing I wanna to talk to you about, you, brought, you mentioned up briefly, uh, a report just came out from Redfin, says mm-hmm. that uh, one in three requests for showings are virtual showings. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is gonna be continuing to trend and, and change. Virtual tours as a search trend, is through the roof right now. Yep. And it's, you know, people are looking for virtual tours of uh, museums, uh, historical sites, you know, all that kind of stuff. But what are you seeing from the apartment side? Um, you know, New York City, where you're at, like right now, you're locked down. You can't just mm-hmm. be doing opening doors. Um, it's just kind of funny. I think. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what people say brokers do. And now that they can't yeah, open yeah. doors, I, I yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. What, yeah. <laughs> But uh, what, what are you seeing on your side for uh, virtual tours and how are people handling that demand? Yeah, so qu- a quick anecdote. It's funny that you mentioned that, but b- before I get to that, that answer is like the, the reason why we're called dorky is it's, you know, it's fun and it's, it's got a couple of meanings, right? It's like, oh, dorky and dorky. Um, by the way, two O's, two E's, no Y. So we've, we've had people who love the name and they're like, oh, it's such a cute name. I love it. It's like playful and fun. And then we had people who were like, this is the this is a terrible name. Just change your name. If you can't, like, I don't care if you bought the domain. I don't care how far along in the process that you're trademarking is just like, just scrap it, right? And so look, I don't know a ton about marketing. But what I do know is that we seem to have name recognition. People don't forget the name of the company. They may love yeah. it or they hate it, but they remember it. And I believe, I think it was Jordan. I think it was my business partner who came up with the name Dorky. And the reason why is because we were just lamenting the fact that, you know, we had to pay. And by the way, I don't believe this is all brokers. I do believe that there are quality brokers out there who, who add value, yeah. but like too many just want to put a head in a bet and that's all they care about. And so what that means is that there's no actual service. They, they do the least they can do, which is just opening the door. They, they're the door key essentially. And so what door key does is we open the door, right? We allow the departing tenant to open the door, but we actually provide everything out that. So it's, it's just a little playful. Um, so anyway, get, getting back to your, your original question around virtual tours, um, we are now the virtual door key because the departing tenant is now in their apartment basically 24-7, right? We're almost, we're not quite in a lockdown here with COVID, but, but you're, you're in your apartment almost every waking hour of the day. And so right. what we're seeing is, um, we, like I said, we rolled out that tool with the, the tool, by the way, that I was talking about before that I, I said that we had on an interview and that we didn't have was the video walkthrough. I had heard one of our, our senior engineers, Jared, had said something about like, oh, it's pretty cool that, uh, you know, we, we, we had built this backend code. I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I'm just, these are all buzzwords to me. Uh, you know, we built this backend code that, that can facilitate that, or that allows the upload of videos. And my dumb brain was like, oh, sweet, we can do, we can have people upload videos to the platform. <laughs> and, so, and so like, I thought I confirmed it with our head of product, Jonathan, and, and, and he gave me the real explanation. And, and apparently I heard what I wanted to hear. And then I told an interviewer that, that we had it. And then the engineering team, you know, Jake and Jarrett and Jared and Matt and, and our head of product, Jonathan, they, they worked really hard um, 
to, to make to make that a reality. And so what we now allow people to do is instead of just posting pictures, you know, take a two to three minute video of you just uh -huh. walking through your apartment, what the front door looks like. Maybe you go up the stairs, maybe you show the elevator. If you're in an amenity building, maybe you walk through the gym, et cetera. Um, so what's nice is that I went, when I was looking for an apartment uh, the last two times, even after I found my apartment, I still started going on tours because I wanted to know what the experience was like. And what really drove me crazy is that if you had a professional take the photos, they made the apartment just look way better than it was. And they took the like, fisheye lens. The fisheye lens drives me crazy. And it's like, what do you think is going to happen? That they're going to show up and you made it look palatial and it's actually like a, a broom closet that, that Harry Potter would have loved to have... Uh, or would have hated to have moved in from, from his place under the stairs. Like, they're not going to take that apartment. You're, Even worse is in residential when you show up to the house, like, why is the lawn brown? It just <laughs> went on market yesterday, but the photos show it green. Right. I mean, this is what I don't understand is like making it seem better than it is. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's you believe that you're going to rope people in. And, and that's just not how we like to do business. And so what we're finding is that people are looking at those videos, looking at the authentic photos that departing tenants have taken. and they're less likely then to have to go to an in-person tour, you know, pre-COVID because they're like, oh, you know what? This is actually smaller or I don't like the layout of this. Um, in, in, uh, during this, the, the times of COVID, we are having people do virtual tours, right? The FaceTime tours is a huge uptick. As so they use it FaceTime? Just, yeah. just FaceTime just or FaceTime. anything else? Okay. Google Hangouts, doesn't really matter. I mean, everyone yeah. has a smartphone now. Everyone has their computer. I mean, it's just very, these tools are at everyone's disposal, right? They're all native. Uh, we're we're going to eventually create a native uh, video chatting tool on our platform as well. Mm -hmm. There hasn't been a huge demand for it. People are happy to, to just use what what's the percent increase, already. like 50% in terms of people requesting virtual tours. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's an interesting question because like we're not, we're encouraging people not to go do physical uh, in, in like in-person tours, right? Like a, I believe that Rebney, the real estate board of New York is encouraged like, like they can't do show. If you're a professional, you can't do showings. So we're saying don't do in-person showings. So yeah. like the increase has been insanely high, but I mean, we had, it's not just percent because it's, it's hard to compare because now we've basically stopped in person and they've gone yeah. to all uh, virtual, but to put it this way, we had uh, like half a dozen applicants for, for different apartments on one day last week, all off of virtual showings. Wow. And, and four or five of them were for apartments that were available for over a month and a half out for like apartments available in June and July. And, wow. it, and that had only been on the market for like a day or two days. So people are still looking to move during the summer and they're looking for an apartment now. And Dorky is really the only place they can find that apartment. And people are like, it's different. People always ask us like, why not do homes? Like when Jordan and I were starting this out, they're like, why not do, you know, peer to peer home sales? And we're like, look, first of all, it's a very crowded space. It's an yeah. incredibly crowded space yeah. Two. In all likelihood, and Jordan and I talked through this, we're like, you know, is this something that we'd, we'd want to incorporate or do instead? The reality is buying a home is the single largest purchase that almost every person's going to make in their life. For them to like put up that kind of money, right? Um, when there's all that risk. And if you're, if you buy that asset sight unseen, I mean, you need to know what the neighborhood looks like. You need yeah, to I'll, know do, I'll do that with Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm not going to do it with New York City. Exactly. Exactly. It's just not, it's just not really going to happen. So with an apartment, if you get an apartment that you don't like it, you know, it's a year lease and yep. you, you may be able to get out, get out of it. It's not a huge loss. There's not a huge, um, it's not a huge risk there. So that's why we've seen like a huge uptick in people coming to the platform, searching, uh, you know, like our, our listings have gone up like 
60, 70% in the past two to three weeks uh, wow. because people are home. They still want to move over the summer. Um, and so we're, we're and they're doing the advance notice. So they're way out in advance and they're able to so do all June, July. Yeah. June, July, August. Yeah. Fantastic. That's, that's phenomenal. I think, I think it's going to be important to people listen in and, and hear that. I think one thing I haven't talked about with people, but you know, maybe you guys can do it and then let me know if it works or not. I'll let you figure it out. Um, is neighborhood virtual tours. You know, uh, I've talked to people about the apartment and the houses, but what about the neighborhood? I mean, I want to see the neighborhood. Now you've got Google street view. So there's sure. that. Where's the sounds? Mm-hmm. Where's the, the livelihood? I guess it'd be kind of weird during COVID. You walk yeah, around, but ain't bizarre. nobody live in that neighborhood, man. It's, it's bizarre. Yeah, I've been I've been documenting it. So like, I, we walk our dog Scout, and we walk him way too much to the point where he just he hides. Whenever one of us, me and my girlfriend, get the get the vest, he goes and runs to the other's feet because he just like, please, Lord, no more walks. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> you drive me crazy. Not and so we got to Brian with with treats. So we go for walks and there's just nobody out. I mean, thankfully, there's nobody out, right? Wait till it warms up. We had one day when, yeah, yeah, we had one day when it was 77 degrees and the park and sidewalks and everything was packed. There was no room. I I, like, I couldn't walk anywhere. It was basically, I was like, I'm not going to be out here. I might as well go hang out at the grocery store. Um, Anyway, so much in there, Um, but we got to keep moving it here and we're pulling into where we've got to move to the bottom of the show segments. I'm not oh, upset about that. These are my favorite portions. These are great, but I just love, I love the free flowing conversation. This is awesome. Like we could shut this off and do this for the next six hours. If you have time, Probably. I don't know if you're, if your wife is sick of having you in the apartment. <laughs> um, we have a one bedroom. We're moving into Same. a house. We bought, we bought also a, house. a one bedroom. This is our, uh, also our living room. We've got, it just happens to be a, a big enough living room where we have both desks, my giant whiteboard, and then the, my recliner behind it. So um <laughs> but you're not as nearly as annoying as i am so and my, my voice <laughs> is so loud i'm not sure if everyone can tell how much i'm speaking lower right now this is basically a whisper for me this is like my indoor voice right now i'm so loud when i'm on calls i i just i i can feel Lacey's like blood boiling like be, being like even in the other room because i'm so loud so i'm actually taking this from 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 downstairs to get a, to get away from her so that she doesn't kill me from her yelling in the apartment 24 7 there it is uh, all right, we're going to move into the segment I like to call For the Future. Uh, for the Ooh. Future is where I get to ask each guest who comes to the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. John, are you ready to play? I am always ready to play, Nate. Hit me. All right, here we go. Question number one, what does Dorky look like one year from now? Dorky one year from now. So I've already mentioned that we wanted to move into new markets. So, you know, Jordan and I um, constantly talk about the future because because right now i think we're doing a really great job of of just like really expanding in new york city and new york city is such a behemoth that if we were able to get a meaningful foothold in new york i mean that's 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 great that's great success for us however we also know that if we tweak the business model a little bit we tweak how much the departing tenant gets how much we're charging the landlord uh, and our customer acquisition process in different markets this will work outside of new york and so what it looks like in a year is just a real player in New York City that people recognize. You know, we have some some really really big names in real estate, um, actually internationally um, and and regionally, who are already customers, and we're really really proud of that. And we want to get uh, all of the the huge landlords on the platform, um, but we also want to get. And I wanted to mention this before: New York City is really weird because it's there's a um, there's a really long tail. The top 50 landlords in New York City 
only own about 12% of the, of the rentable units. And so 88%, wow. yeah, it's crazy stat. 88% are, are owned um, more distributed, right? So there's a lot more of the DIY, the mom and pops, et cetera. And so there's a lot of room to grow in New York, but we'd be looking to move into uh, other markets. Like I said, uh, Boston, Chicago, LA, San Francisco, also additional revenue streams, right? In, in weird apartments like New York, right? We were joking before about how tiny they are, but they're also jigsaw pieces. And so if you bought a couch and you hauled it up to the sixth floor and it fits perfectly in that nook and it's well-maintained, you're not taking that out of there. Just sell that couch to the next tenant, right? And so we want to be able to facilitate that. And so there, there are some nice ancillary options and, and we're working with some other uh, uh, partners to, to uh, sync up with moving companies so that basically the whole process of moving is, is just totally seamless. And so yeah. we want to get brand equity in New York. We want to open up some new markets and then we want to add some functionality to make the actual moving process after you found your next apartment a lot more seamless. That's us in a year. Love it. Question number two, what's prop tech as an industry look like a year from now? I think that it looks very similar, but accelerated. And the reason why it's accelerated is because we're starting to see that landlords just cannot go about business as usual. There was a, a, an Accenture piece a couple of months ago, basically saying that tech laggards, people who are not just late adopters, but even people who are in the middle of the pack, they're leaving billions of dollars on the table. And so the, this whole like dorky pre-leasing, the, the drip campaign, the uh, being able to do virtual tours, the tenant, tenant, it was all great and nice to have in a pre-COVID world. In a yeah. COVID and a post-COVID world, landlords are starting to realize that they're losing so much money by not using these new uh, tech, yeah. this new, new tech adoption, right? And so yeah. it used to be a nice to have, it's going to be it's the standard, have. right? It's gonna be a must have just to keep up with the, the, the times. Um, and, and I think that this is going to be the sort of wake up call to a lot of landlords to say, this is where everything is going and I'm going to be left behind if I don't get on this right away. Yeah. I, I, uh, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Question number three, what's one industry trend you think will continue, but you wish would go away? Oh my God. This is, this is an easy one. It's, it's inventing better mousetraps. And, so, and the reason, and, and when I say that, is because there, there's another great book uh, by Clayton Christensen, who was, a, was a, a phenomenal thinker. I think he was an HBR professor. He was actually the research partner of, of Nate Redman, who is the, the managing partner at Alpha Edison, who's one of our VC mm -hmm. firms. And, and I was a huge fan of Clayton Christensen. He wrote a really seminal book about disruption uh, called The Innovator's Dilemma. And he-, he Oh, yeah, yeah. It, right, innovation. There are two types of innovation. Uh, the disrupting innovation and sustaining innovation. and Basically, we see in prop tech right now, it's such, it's, it's such in its early stages that there are so many companies that are trying to invent a better mousetrap. And really what you need to do is you need to go get a cat. And I know that's not, that's not easy for me because I'm a dog person. Um, you know, today is Catter Day. It's trending on Twitter right now. Uh, I'm, I'm not on Twitter either. So I'm, an, oh. I'm anti-Twitter and I'm anti-cats. I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for that, but I just, I need to be authentic to who I am and that's just the truth. So, and, and what I'm saying here is that like a better mousetrap is tweaking. It's a sustaining innovation. It's, it's, it's making something 10% better. It's making it a little bit more efficient, a little bit faster, right? Yeah. What people need to do is throw out the old way of, of, do, of like trying to work through a broken model. It's like putting lipstick on a pig, right? And I'm sorry for all these mixed metaphors here, but the reality okay. is I, I want there to be 
some more consolidation in the market so that there are not all these startups that are tweaking the current model, but instead just throwing away the old model and, mm -hmm. and doing a new one. And so I think that I would love to see in a few years as there's more consolidation in the marketplaces, there's more maturity. I think there will be the only winners will be the people who have went out and bought the cat to eat the mouse instead of trying to create this really kind of Rube Goldberg machine of working within the current parameters. I love that. Uh, get a cat. <laughs> no, 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 no. Sorry. That is not. <sighs> I'm going to go get a cat to eat all the, <laughs> eat all the mice. So your mice, tra your mouse trap is just not even worth it. I'm doing it for uh, me. <laughs> all right. Last one here. Number four for the future. What's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away as a res in real estate as a result of tech advances? Yeah, so I, I touched on this before, but it really is just that the idea in real, real estate so far behind the times, they are the definition. They are Luddites. They are the tech laggards. And, and it's because it's such a real estate up until recently has been such a, a familial situation where it's like you've been in real estate, your parents are in real estate, et cetera, et cetera. It's been passed down. And so, you know, there's the mindset of it's always been done that way. And it, it leads into my, my previous answer, which is, well, let's just tweak the current model. I think that, like I said before, this we're we're in such a unique time right now where people are now forced to do everything digitally instead of analog and then they're going to realize that all of their fear that around technology adoption was totally unfounded and that there's a great fox by uh, a great quote by jamie fox he's like you know what's on the other side of fear and it's nothing the answer is, is nothing on the other side of fear you just have to try you got to swallow the frog and again sorry for all these mixed metaphors and a lot of them include animals uh, but you just, okay. you just, you just need to get out of your comfort zone. If you're someone who's, who's been in the real estate business for 10, 20 years, and you're afraid of what tech means, I, I assure you that it's going to mean a more efficient workplace. It's going to mean better results for your bottom line. It's going to mean happier customers. It's going to mean more time in your day. And I think that this is showing that we can work from home more and we can sign leases digitally and, and, and we can sign apartments uh, without actually physically going to them. And we can use products that allow a peer-to-peer -peer market to thrive and we don't need to do things the way they've always been done just because that's all we've ever known. I love it. Well, let's move into the final segment of the show. This is actually where we get to talk about books and learn more about you, John, so our listeners get to know you better. Uh, first one is, what are you reading? What am I reading? Right at this moment, so I have this problem that I think you have as well, which is we, we just accumulate books like <laughs> super, like just way faster. There's actually a Japanese word for this. It's called, I think it's sundoku. And I think it means like piling up books. It means like, like accumulating books faster than you can read it. And, and are you, can... <laughs> you're moving your whiteboard so I can see, see, see I all can... your books. You kind of go for it. You just yeah. That right there just slowly the stacking yeah there's two of them there you can't see the other one yeah that's 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 me also and and so you know what happens i end up reading a lot of books at the same time which is like depending on my mood it's like the same thing i do with tv shows you know if if, if i'm in the mood for, for something dramatic or something funny or something light or something pensive so i'm i'm rereading the hard thing about hard things which is uh yes just yep. an incredible book just yep. a really fantastic book i'm rereading how to win friends and influence people the Are dale you? carnegie book Yep. I mean, it just uh, that is everyone should go read that book, right? Everyone should go. Did read you actually that book. like it? 
I fucking loved it. What I might be mean? the I, I might I, I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'm gonna say something unpopular opinion. Here it is. Overrated. Overrated. Okay, look, you're entitled to your opinion. <laughs> Everyone's entitled to be wrong about something. Uh, there's a great quote from a friend of mine who said, he's like, look, you're smart and I'm right. So eventually we'll we'll get so, to the same conclusion. So I read I listened to the book. I didn't read it. I listened to that book. And I'll tell you when I listened to it. I was at a conference. I was in Nashville at the Gaylord Opry Inn. And uh, I just wasn't able to sleep. So I walked like at after the conference event and everyone was out doing their things or whatever. And I was just like, well, I don't care about spending stupid money at the bar. I just walked around the place listening to that book. I had nothing else mm-hmm. to do. I just mm-hmm. centered attention. And honestly, I was like, I don't know, be a likable person, shake hands, remember names. Okay. Look, it, look, it's not a lot of what you hear, a lot of what you read in the book, it's, it's basically a compilation of all of the best tactical advice yeah. to, to win friends and influence people. And so, look, maybe it comes naturally to you, but when I was younger, I was pretty unpleasant and I didn't, I was just contrarian to be contrarian. And yeah. I thought I was, I, you know, I always thought I was the smartest person to walk in the room and I, I was just not a particularly like pleasant person to be around. And I, and I read that book and I was like, okay, yeah, you know what, this is probably a much, much better idea. And, and there were a lot of things like I, I used to let myself off the hook by not remembering people's names. Uh-huh. And if there's one takeaway from that book that everyone should know, it's just that they say that, that the sweetest thing to people's ears is, is, is their, their name. Own name. That's why you hear exactly. your name in the crowded hallway. That's right. And so, so Nate, what I was, what I was saying about the book, you see what I did there? You see what I, I see just what you casually did. dropped? I see what you, you see did. what I did? So, yeah. I, you know, it, honestly, it is important because it lets people know that you're present. It lets people know that they matter. It, you're, not just, you're not just a passing something in their life, but that, you know, you took the time to actually listen to them and experience them as a human. And I, I think there's a, there's, a, an, a, there's a beauty to that. And there's a respect to that. And, and outside of, of what you can get out of it, I think that just being able to have a, a more authentic connection with someone, mm-hmm. I think is, is, is lost a lot. And so, I don't know, the, the tactics in that book remind me constantly that there are so many things I could be doing. Um, I've heard also the quote that like half of education is just reminding someone. And mm-hmm. so you, the stuff you read in that book, it, it may not all be new, but they'll all be really, really good reminders for how we can just be better human beings to be around and brighten other people's lives. I can get behind that. I'll, I'll, I'll stop trashing his book. <laughs> <laughs> He's, I mean, look, there are a lot of people on the other side of it. So it was ahead you know, of its time. I'll advocate. give you that it, way ahead of its time. It's earned its place and it's earned the right to be a classic, to be the foundation to a lot of learning, especially in sales and marketing, sociology. It, it has earned its stripes. I just, yeah, I, I only read it because I knew I'd be doing business with boomers. <laughs> It applies outside of that, Nate. Actually, no, I mean, just understand, like I looked at it like this, if I'm going to be selling to boomers and then I'll I'll keep moving here, but if I was going to be selling anything to boomers, then I wanted to be on their level and relate with them. And so then what were the books that helped shape the way they do business? Mm -hmm. Because when I'm looking at, if I, you know, if I'm reading a Grant Cardone, they might not be relating with that. Mm -hmm. Right. So Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, mm-hmm. or maybe they've, they've beyond the continued learning paths and they're not le- reading Jeb Blount. So right. I'm looking at right. like, okay, well, I got to read Carnegie because if I'm going to do work, any work with a boomer, that's who shaped right. how they do business. So. Sure. 
Sure. And our, our head of sales just got me back into absolute power by Tony Robbins. Like I'm a huge, okay. huge Tony Robbins fan. He, he loves Grant Cardone too, but I think he probably has a similar mindset to you where it's like, you know, Tony Robbins was huge. I mean, he's still pretty huge, but he's been huge for decades. I mean, right. you know, he was like an advisor to Clinton and, and so many reason power I read brokers. A Tony Robbins book. Really? Same reason. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, he is, look, there, there are, there are positives and negatives there, but I think that, that his mindset is, yeah. is really great. So it, Jorge and I create a little book club. We're going to, we're going to read absolute power together and then, and Love then it. uh, kind of chat about it later this month. Question number two, who are you learning from? Who am I learning from? Oh my goodness. Who am I not learning from? Honest is the honest answer there. I think that there's, there's so much to learn from everybody. If you just listen, I, I'd say the number one person that I learned from is, as I mentioned, my girlfriend, Lacey, she seems to be ahead of me uh, by a few months on, on everything. So definitely learning from her. Um, I learned from my team a ton. And so sorry for the barrage of quotes. And I know this is a bit hackneyed because everyone in startup okay. quotes Steve Jobs. But one thing he would always say is that you, you hire smart people, not so you can tell them what to do, but so they can tell you what to do. Yeah. And so that's very much how, like when, when Jordan and I hire, we, we always have to be 100% all in on the person. And the reason why is because we want them to be around for forever. We want them to evolve and grow and adapt with Dorky. And so we, we only hire people. And this is great advice. Another great book, by the way, by the former head of people at, at Google, Work Rules by Laszlo Bach. Hmm. And one of the things, one of his rules is the person that they hire needs to be considerably smarter than, than anyone else on the team in like, in like one area so that they can bring a ton to the table. So I'm yeah. learning a lot from my team. Um, I, I learn, I mean, we learn a ton from our customers, right? That's, I come from a, a background of, of um, you know, Kaizen, Toyota Kata, like listening to the customer, uh, continuous improvement background. And so uh, the voice of the customer is crucial. And we're constantly, you know, Jordan is uh, really doing a great job working with all of our landlords, spearheading our customer success getting all the information that we need from our landlords to hear and their leasing staff saying like, what's good about the product? What, what's missing? What needs to be improved? What's not clear? I mean, he's constantly getting feedback. He's doing an awesome job. I'm learning from him there. Um, Andrew, who is on our customer success team, he's doing that for the apartment seeker and the departing tenant. And so uh, he's learning, they're learning from the customers. We're all learning from them. Uh, and then I would say we're, we're learning from our, our investors. Like we have awesome investors. We have one, Simon Barron, their development company. They're, they're on our board. Um, Matt and John are fantastic partners. They're teaching us all about real estate. They're teaching us about business. Um, they're teaching us about partnerships, and they're fantastic. Um, our first VC firm, Corrigan, we work with uh, Ryan Friedman and, and, and Jackie Voorhees and, and Daniel Fetner, and they give me advice constantly on an array of things. Uh, and recently, we've just been learning from our new investors. We just, uh, you know, we have a convertible note that... Um, that we, we had just, we're just about closed. And one of the bigger investors is, is Alpha Edison. And so uh, getting to work with the team over there, I'm super, mm. super, super excited because they're, they're super smart and we've just begun um, working with them. And so I'm looking forward to be learning from them most. Very awesome. Yeah. Um, and the last one here, what inspires you? Wow. That's such a tough question. I think it's the only one that I don't really have a packed answer for. 
it's it's such a nebulous question because I feel like so many things can inspire us. Um, I yeah, think you, I'm inspired. You can take it any way you want. Okay. Uh, I think I'm inspired. But so the people that I just mentioned, I I have such tremendous love and, and respect for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm inspired by my team. I'm inspired by Lacey. I'm inspired by Jordan. Uh, I'm inspired by my family and my friends. Like they're, they're constantly like just interacting with them. You know, my nephews, I love my nephews. Um, like these people who I love and respect and spend my most time with, um, and my close friends, like they inspire me really to just just try to be a better person. And I'm, I'm always trying to be more mindful and I'm trying to be more present. Uh, and I'm trying to practice more humility and I'm trying to practice more selflessness. And I think that the, you know, a lot of the people I just mentioned, I'm, I'm incredibly close with my family. Uh, unfortunately, since COVID, I haven't been able to see them. You know, there was a time for the, most of my life where I, I saw them every week and it's really tough not seeing them. Um, and it's tough not seeing like my good friends. And, and I think that uh, above all, they're, they're inspiring me to kind of figure out what we want out of life because, you know, I work on this a lot with my coach, Nick, uh, who's fantastic. Nick Hendricks um, over at Bluefield, he, he tries to help me. He's, you know, he's part coach, uh, part mediator, part therapist. And you know, he really challenges me on what it is that we want. And I'm, I'm always trying to keep my mind open to making sure that I'm sense checking the things that I think I want. Mm-hmm. And there's this, you know, monkey brain that's constantly telling me, you want this, you want this, you want this. And I, I always try to come back and you know, through my podcast and through my books and through my, my conversations and my relationships, I'm, I'm trying to challenge myself to say like, do you really want that? And, uh, and I guess all those things kind of come together in this, this the witch's brew to um, help me try to figure out where I want to go with my life. Uh, yeah. And I guess that, was, that may have been more of a philosophical answer than the, the one you're looking for. Oh, um, I had no uh, expectations. That, that's why it's phrased that way. Yeah. And, and, and this is not a suck up answer right now, Nate. Like, Honestly, the conversations you and I have had over the past week, like they inspired the hell out of me. When you and I were talking about like that every week you have those happy hour virtual drinks and you guys come out with a new business idea or you're talking about your, your funky idea with the, the pineapples or just like your journey from the-, the you know, Don't tell nobody own- about my pineapple <laughs> idea. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Don't forget. I edit this out, Nate. I'm just kidding. Nobody I'm just can kidding. kill you. No, obviously. Um, but I'm, I'm saying is that like you bring a certain joie de vivre to your work that really is inspiring. Like, I love that you're doing this podcast. I love podcasts. And I, I, once, I saw a quote a few months ago. It says, don't be a consumer, be a creator. Mm-hmm. And I had realized that, you know, for a lot of my life, I was just, I was just a consumer. I consumed movies and, and TV shows and books and podcasts. And it's, yeah. it's great now to be able to, in my own small way, be able to work with other really interesting, smart people who I've always admired and wanted to work with you know, Nate, you being one of them to be able to put some content out there that hopefully people can learn from and enjoy and, and realize the mistakes that I made and, and learn from them secondhand. And so, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm super thrilled that you gave me this opportunity and, uh, you know, your, your work is, is actually inspiring me like right at this moment. I appreciate that. I mean, that means a lot. Um, yeah. And it, 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 I think, uh, creating and which all of us are going through, like, especially for those of us who, you've either had businesses or started business or in the process of building a business right now. Like there's a lot that goes into that creative process. And for some, it's just a very, like what you can see up on my whiteboard of it's just pure numbers. There's no, 
you know, creative concept behind it. We were just pu pulling numbers of what would make sense for, you know, for the company that I decide to build on, on the weekends, it's going to sell for $10 million. You know, for those of you looking to invest, uh, <laughs> send me an email, uh, I'll let you know what that business is. And, and when I decide to, uh, not do it, but anyway, like there's a lot of like, it's a lot of personal attachment in creating. So, uh, happy that, you know, some of something that I would create would also inspire, but also I think for other people, you know, you know, there's probably a lot of inspiration in, in your own creation, taking the time to look back and reflect on it and seeing where you've come from in that, you know, that in of itself, I've always found is, Hey, I, I see my progress, even if it is slow, even if it is that 1% on a daily basis. Um, if there's any lesson we can take away from COVID is that, uh, consistent and ongoing, uh, uh, um, exponential growth is pretty freaking powerful. So um, just pursue that. Um, John, this has been amazing. I've had a, I've had a blast. It's great. It's a great way to kick off my Saturday. Uh, before I close out the podcast, though, of course, anybody who wants to get in touch with you, wants to learn more about DoorKey, where do they go? How do they do that? Sure. Well, I can give you my personal email. It's uh, J-O-H-N, John, at DoorKey.com. Two O's, two E, no Y. And obviously, check us out on Instagram, uh, DoorKey. Check us out, dorky.com. Uh, I would love for anyone who's interested in, in any way to get involved with me. Just shoot me an email, reach out on intercom on our website. Uh, I'm sure Andrew monitors it even in his sleep. He's that good. And so we'll get back to you uh, as soon as we can. And, and if you're in New York City and you're, you're looking to post your apartment or you're a landlord and you want to work with us, um, your investor who, who loves what we're doing, like reach out. Or if you just like said, hey, I've had a lot of people reach out to me and said, hey, I love this idea. I came up with it. It's so cool to see that you guys are actually doing it. And that's one of the best compliments that Jordan and I receive is I love this idea. I wish I had thought of it or I wish I had gone through with it. If you're one of those people, like we can use more help. We're currently hiring. We're one of the only companies who are, are one of the few companies that are hiring right now. And so, um, you know, if you, if you love the concept and you want to work with some really amazing people, uh, check us out, go to dorky.com, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Awesome. I uh, appreciate it, John. As uh, soon as traveling to New York makes sense to grab a drink, you're on. Dude, let's do it. Uh, but let's talk before then. I want to be invited yeah, of to course. one of those happy hours. I want to brainstorm. Yeah, I we want, can do one. I, I, have, I, have, I have pineapple ideas. <laughs> <laughs> all right well we're gonna we're gonna close out here and uh, we'll see you guys later well that's it for today thanks so much for listening to the tech nest podcast hey don't forget you can get on the email list you never miss an upcoming episode that's technest.io that's t-e-c-h-n-e-s-t dot i-o get on the email list uh go to the app store where you found us on itunes stitcher soundcloud wherever you found us leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends and if you've got a guest or someone that you'd like to recommend or if you think that you'd be a great guest on the show, hey, send me an email, nate at realteampanda.com. That's nate at realteampanda.com. See you guys later.